Welcome back to the Non-Standard 14er Podcast, the podcast that talks about everything the root description leaves out about hiking and climbing Colorado's 14ers. I'm joined by some awesome friends, and we're talking about the Chicago Basin. So to my right is my co-host, Jacer Jack. Howdy. Tay Jack. Hey. Kendra. Hi. Colin. Hey. And we got the Tornado Man rejoining us tonight. What's up? This is this is the first episode of a two-part series in the Chicago Basin, because we uh, talk too much. Because <laughs> <laughs> cool. it's four 14ers, maybe. That's Chicago Basin. Is it? Oh, good, good segue. It's uh, Peak 18 and Jupiter and Wyndham. Oh, it was. But we were camped about at least another quarter mile further up. Did you take that on the trip? Yeah, that was 2013. No, that was 2013 oh, okay. trip. The first time nice. up there, yeah. yeah. That's cool. Very cool. I've been there three times. How many times have you been in the basin? Chicago Basin. Just once. I thought you did, did you do Jupiter when you did it? Oh, as you were from Weather. Uh, I'm day tripping Jupiter this summer. Oh. Purgatory or Vallecito? Ooh. You have to get, that's a lot more elevation gain for you. Well, you have to go over Columbine Pass. I've been thinking of doing Purgatory, but that would be what most people would do. But I just suddenly had the idea of Vallecito. That'd be sweet. Isn't it's, that what it's, you It's got to be 20 miles to get to... It was 20 miles to get to the basin from Balsita. Yeah. yeah. We Purg- did purgatory then. It's only like 16. <laughs> oh. One way. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. You don't need food on the way down. <laughs> Just bark. You're pretty epic already. Right? <laughs> uh, that'd have to be those 40 miles though in a day, wouldn't it? I think it's like mid-30s from purgatory. <sighs> That's a lot. How much was it? So you approached it this last time that you did it so, we'll from Vallecito, right? We basically took Tornado Man's trip, trip report. <laughs> my, the other episode. My crazy idea that I came up with. We had an episode where we did uh, a centennial trip report uh, planning. You had to include at least a 14er and a, and a centennial 13er, and you had to include one one overnight. And we had like a bracket, and we each brought our own like uh trips and then argued with each other about the pros and cons about doing this route and then we had uh the one gal uh what's her uh, ellen yeah yeah ellen? that sounds ellen? right ellen sounds ellen? right ellen, ellen yeah ellen sounds right she was the vote she voted to see what went on to the next bracket and tornado man's one trip uh was the Valcito approach to do jupiter and then the chicago basin and johan and i and sean did that Basically, exactly what you said. Ten miles in from Vallecito Reservoir, first day. Camp at the Johnson Creek, uh, Vallecito. Great camping. Super flat, big valley. Okay. Great views of Grayback Mountain. Just a really pretty... That was a good ten miles in. A couple creek crossings. And then there's another ten miles to get over Columbine Pass. That's too far. And just to get where far. we camped, kind of. And then we met these guys. And then did Chicago Basin 14 years the next two days, and then we went out the train. The nice part is you came in super high in the valley, though, over Columbine Pass. So you, you beat the train rush. And I'll never forget, mm-hmm. we brought our walkie-talkies, and we were on the same. And it was like top of the hour, like like uh, I Am Legend, we are you know, transmitting. And finally I got a super crackly, like, oh, crap, did you come in? And you were already at the very top of the valley by the time we were, like, kind of front of the pack. Um, there for a while off the train. Actually, no, we were toward the end because of the. We had to tape our feet because of what? Also the beer. 
Oh yeah, and the beer. Had to hide the beer. But we made our way toward the front of the pack. We passed a lot of people. Didn't hide it very well. Yeah, we will Touché. talk about that. You you snagged the best site, like the very highest campsite you could have in the valley, and that worked out super well. Yeah, I've camped below a mile or mile and a half below where we camped before in the Chicago basin. That's the benefit of going in. We left at six six o'clock from Johnson <clears throat> Creek, and we got to the best campsite pretty much in the basin at one. And so we basically beat everyone coming up from the Durango train. And we also had the trade-off. Like, when you're coming up from Durango train, you got the trade-off. The great campsite. Do I hike another half mile further exactly. for a campsite that might be filled? It's an I opportunity know. cost I, for sure. Because every time you pass a campsite, it's... Ooh, that's a good one. But, mm-hmm. Like, with a heavy pack, I am freaking slow. And I will take an early sight. Like, every time. I'll just be like, I'll oh, screw it. It's fine. <laughs> See, and I'm like, every step I take now, I don't have to take it 3.30 in the morning. So Yeah, right. I was really pleased with that. where we where we ended up that site. You called it pole position. You're in pole position yeah, for the next guys. day. It was just awesome. That was. That was such a good site. You come down Columbine, like that kind of where, Columbine, you pass standard for Jupiter, and you come right by this little creek. And actually, we were actually above the split from where you'd split to go to the Chicago Basin. Uh, so sorry, go to Twin Twin Lake. The Twin what's those lakes up there? Twin yeah, lakes. Twin Lakes. The Twin Lakes. Yeah. yeah. We were actually a little further past the split, so we were like way up, like the best kind of hmm. furthest position way up there, where you can see Almost the waterfall line. too. Yeah. Remember, you can uh, see that beautiful, uh, yeah. that, that pretty mm-hmm. waterfall. It was great. Really was good camping good spot. Good little watering hole to rinse off at. Yeah. Yeah. Might have gotten caught by our neighbors, but. That's what happens. What? Did, you, did you really? Well, That's there funny. were just some people that were hiking down. Uh, I think they were just wandering around like the Chicago Basin Trail or something. And, and a couple people I saw off in the distance, I was like, put my shorts back on. We were bathing. Yeah. Hey, yep. Is that what the kids are calling? A little wimp <laughs> <laughs> yeah, So we went the day before, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the, basically the marginal cost, as I was talk, talking about it, is... We did an extra 13 miles um, and had that extra day. Yeah. yeah. And you can't buy a one-way train ticket. Mm. So I still have to pay for the round-trip plane, t- <clears throat> plane ticket, train ticket. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. The well, train well, is well, such well. a cool part of these 14ers. It's so, so much a part of the experience that it. I loved it. I yeah. thought that was such a neat experience. As a kid, I had done that. The train all the way to Silverton mm-hmm. and I remember being a kid and seeing backpackers get off you know way back when and thinking where are these people going people are nuts. what is wrong like what is going nowhere. on like... totally middle of nowhere and uh, I just thought that was so super cool as a kid and yeah. so to do that and actually be the people who are getting off and everyone on the train was still you know, it's like you have to wave. Everybody's waving at you and taking pictures of the yeah. crazy backpackers. It was that's such a cool experience. It is super cool. And that train ride in is beautiful. It's it reminds me of like kind of the the top of Pikes Peak or you know experiencing Lake Como Road. Like there's these certain things that are just like classics for the specific fourteeners and and that make them unique. And I think the train is one of those things that even if you want to give yourself a suffer fest, like go do purgatory when you come back, but your first time should be on the train. Yeah. I think. Or do at least one way. Yeah. Yeah, just experience the train. 
I, I we almost learned the hard way that when they say 7:30 they mean 7:30 like they're leaving like yeah. there are people running and they don't tell you where to park like it's kind of they don't tell you it's cash only like there's a lot that hmm. um so I I wrote on my trip report um I kind of drew on a map like here's where you can park and it's cash only cuz that almost cost us our Yes, cash only. Our time. And how much was it? It was Bring at least twenty bucks. I think it was twenty or thirty. Yeah, but it's like around the corner from the McDonald's, like three blocks away from the train station, and you think you can just park on the road or park wherever, and definitely not the case. And they're like, "Yeah, like we're we're leaving. Last people are in at seven thirty, and we're leaving at seven forty-five or whatever the time was." And I'm like, "Eh, "You know, they may be flexible, and they definitely weren't." No, yeah, Mm -hmm. it was. You you need to be there. Be early. When did the train leave from Durango? I don't remember specifically. I think it was seven. It was nine. Oh no! That early now. It was early. Yeah. It was early. Yeah. Pull up the trip report. Huh? So, so when I did it in thirteen and seventeen, there was no paid parking. It was easy. Mm. Maybe it's more popular now. See, so yeah, I did in seventeen out of Silverton. So that's what we, we did. Silverton too. And Silverton's free. Free parking. That's that. So I want. They, they don't do Silverton anymore. They don't. It's only it's only. Oh really? Yep. yep. You can't. Silverton, you can't get on at Silverton at two o'clock. No, because we got on at Silverton, like, yeah, like in the afternoon, and it was only like a 50-minute or hour. Yeah, hour. you're a lot closer to Silverton. Yeah, than maybe an hour. And then we got off, and it's like in the middle of the afternoon, and we're hoping it doesn't storm because it's like grumbling a lot. And we got into our campsite, had supper, and set up the tent, had supper, and it was sunset time. So Did you drive then to Silverton that same day? Yeah. Oh, wow. Which is nice because awesome. you can get there. You don't have to be there at 7 in the morning. Yeah, yeah, we get, the yeah, we get to two at two or three, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we get into Silverton and then had lunch, and we had pizza, and then we brought in the leftovers for the first night. Oh, that's. <laughs> nice. And this so time I did have a bear canister, and I, you know, ah. wasn't a, just like hanging out random. We know it wasn't in anyone's sleeping bag either. That friend was with us, but it wasn't in his sleeping bag. So, so here's <laughs> here's what I wrote on my trip report about parking, and this is when the details were fresh, so I know it's right, at least as of last year. So <clears throat> I said they run a tight ship on the Durango train, and when they say that be there by seven thirty, they mean it. They ask hikers to be there by 7.30 so packs can be loaded. They also stop taking packs at 7.45 sharp for an 8 o'clock departure. And then I said a couple members of our group who will remain nameless (laughs) dropped their packs off at 7.44 (laughs) and the backpack rail car was closed about 30 seconds later. Note that this does not include time to go inside and wait in line for your tickets, which you will need to pick up, which almost cost us. So those like little things that, I mean, like really add up when it's... 7 30 mm-hmm. in the morning but you guys so you're saying you took the train from silverton back like but they we, don't do that anymore right okay. we took it from silverton both ways but yeah yeah they don't do that now they don't do that anymore right. well they almost like we tried for two years to get train tickets the first year was because of the avalanche of the landslide that destroyed oh, that it and it then it was fire and then it was covid and, and, and like, fires and covid and i just it was almost this like like long-awaited experience yeah. it was like kind of euphoric and special when we finally did get to get on the train because i almost thought it wasn't going to happen but if you get a chance to do it do it it's super but you cool. did it when it wasn't uh coal oh right yeah 2013 2017 <clears throat> it was like coal yeah. original coal narrow gauge where you stick your head out the window you could get some coal in the yeah eye. that was unpleasant it was good to have glasses but <laughs> still it was unpleasant didn't they think that maybe that was the cause of some of the fires up there? Oh, it, it, some were saying a spark off the track, but it was probably one of the They cold. were very certain that one of those big fires was started by the train. And I think that's kind of why they switched out. They were like, 
it was kind of one of those deals that they're going to make us do this, so let's just be proactive. Yeah, sure. That makes sense. Yeah, one of the fires that started right by the track when they, you know, investigated, and they were pretty sure it was probably... I think it was the coal. It could have been a spark, but... Well, and if you do the train, I would say, especially now that it's not the coal, to do the outside open-air gondolas. Because Mm. if you're on the inside, it really stinks because there are a bunch of fairly wide tourists and the chairs face, you know? (laughs) And and it's... You know. They're cramped. You can't sleep very... No, it's not. They're tiny. Yeah, so We have the benefit of having three friends who bought round trip tickets but only to come back on so we had three free seats on a whole bench oh yeah and even then we had some squatters you know squatter pleasantly plump people with southern accents helping themselves to our because i think so many people wanted to be they were hiking i wasn't gonna say it (laughs) canceled for saying that people get a zoom connect connect the dots (laughs) yeah some texans okay yeah yeah. (laughs) but yeah it was uh i think everybody just wanted to be outside because there's like so it's so much of the experience you can hear everything you can kind of peek out and see what's coming but if you have a window there it's so get the open air gondola. Anyway, <laughs> but I think the the train is so cool. Like in that, you come out of you know two, three, or however many days in the wilderness, and then to have somewhere to sit and the view to enjoy, and it's about two and a half hours each way, and then cold Lots. beers and hot dogs and like, I mean, bring some cash because that's part of the experience. And margaritas, the margaritas aren't half bad oh. on the train on the way back. Oh, they're mm-hmm. really good. When your metabolism's going and you're on an empty stomach with some hiker hunger, two margs will go a long ways. <laughs> 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 yeah, absolutely. That was so fun. But that's about the end of the trip. Yeah, we'll talk, we'll come back to that. Yeah. <laughs> Why we had to have margs. In Why the, we had to have margs. The beer in the that first we stashed. Place. Because we were told, we have read. That you can stash beer. We don't condone in it. In the river. In the river. Safely. Tie it up. Make sure it's nice and secure. And then guy line it to... Because otherwise you're littering and we don't condone littering. We don't condone any of that. So we had done this and secured some beers in the river. And then they're nice and cold for when you get back after your long... Or should be. Yeah. Yeah. To be there early so you don't miss the train. So yeah. you sit there for a couple hours in the sun and... And have beers and reminisce about your climb. So that's what we were looking forward to. To be continued. <laughs> to be continued. How about the hike up? Bugs. A lot yeah. of bugs. There was a lot of that deadfall when we were oh, when we were right. hiking up. I, I think they've since cut that. Maybe a um, hundred. How many? Oh, hundreds. Multiple easy. hundreds. Why would that change? It was like because of COVID. What, two miles. They weren't, of they weren't trail maintaining. Maintaining. Um, from I the think... 2019 avalanche season. No, no, it was a microburst. That was my guess. Oh, okay. So there were hundreds of trees, but I guess it, that's irrelevant because it's been cut now. But we spent, it added an hour, hour and a half, and we had cut up legs and not like going over and it's under. It's like Jenga. Yeah, so totally. It's like, like this high, you know, they can't just like just mindlessly step you, over. You can't decide if you're like a under low, low bridge or high bridge. You've got <laughs> huge packs. If you go under, you're like a turtle in the shell. I think, you know, I had a, I had a really heavy pack going in there because we brought... A bunch of wine and like a tarp and Yahtzee and like we were, we were there for three days so we wanted to party and have a good time yeah and, um I would have brought less water because there's a water source almost the entire way yeah um at least kind of in the beginning and then you go a couple miles without it but I carried like three liters of water and didn't need it yeah and then it kind of flattens out at the basin so around like mile four or five then you're just kind of like 
meadow skipping for a couple miles to the end of the basin. Which is super enjoyable. So after yeah. the, but the, that deadfall was really hard to navigate. And yeah, mile one through four was tough. Yeah, yeah that was, it was a, it was fun navigating. But I think the deadfall aside, like, it's intimidating when you see how long the approach is and how much vertical it is, but it's so beautiful and you just, you want to stretch your legs after a train ride. Like, I didn't think the approach was too bad. Mm-mm. You know, a lot of people are probably listening to this that want to plan for a Chicago Basin trip. So that's one of the things in our planning I was, like, kind of intimidated by was the approach. It's, like, so far back there. Not only are you a two-and-a-half-hour train ride, but you're, like, you're in the wilderness. You've taken a two-and-a-half-hour train ride, and then you hike, what is it, six or something miles back in there. Yeah. Um, but I didn't think the hike itself was that bad, and you never feel like you're, um, like, too too remote. I don't know. I I don't know. That's a half-baked thought. Edit that part out. <laughs> it's about five miles into the basin, but yeah. we were we were seven miles to the end, so we were at the yeah. very end of like the, the pole position, as you call it. Yeah. Yep. But you didn't have to. You didn't have to race the. Cause some people. We did it Labor Day one year. Mm. There was like 125 hikers got off from Durango. We came from Silverton, and another like 20 got off. So there was like 150 people dropped off that day, on like the Saturday of Labor Day. Which they've changed. Oh, no, sorry, they not Labor Day. It was right? uh, July Fourth weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I think they only do like nine parties. Really? Nine groups mm-hmm. of. Well, that's nice. Up to fifteen. Nine groups of up to fifteen. But, it, but a lot of the groups won't be as many as fifteen. It'll be oh, smaller. I see. But I, we counted, and I think there were about forty on mm-hmm. a peak weekend in the middle of summer. But you still feel like you get off the train, you need to beat people. Yeah, because you're trying it's to like a r- you're racing for a campsite. It then. is kind of like the Pamplona Bulls, like the running of the bulls. <laughs> Like, they open the gates and everyone just, like a mad dash. Was it that way for you guys? I kind of remember that. Like, they were getting your packs out. You were kind of, like, looking for yours and trying to grab it kind of quickly, but get started, but... But we didn't feel, I don't feel like we were that rushed because you guys were... We had the campsite, yeah. You were going to the campsite, so we were hanging back and we were the last people, I think, to start hiking up. But then we were passing a bunch of people on the way, which was kind of more fun. If you start last, anyone you finish ahead of it feels like you won. Yeah, but then if you're first, everyone's passing you, you feel like crap. So So you're saying there was like 125 people when you did it? That was, I think, July 4th weekend. Wow. Where'd you camp for that one then? Was that quite a bit? We were at least a mile mile below where we camped from our trip. Okay. Like that's that's probably a good three-quarter mile below where we camped. Chris is pointing to a picture oh. on his wall where he has he took in 2013 of some mountain goats. Speaking the of the wildlife at the campsite, the mountain <laughs> goats. Oh yeah, that also is kind of unique. Goats yeah. You can almost count on that. You can count on the goats being there around your campsite, in your campsite, and anywhere where anyone has urinated, <laughs> past or present. <laughs> it's, it's like... I can't believe how much they need that sodium the, the sound of pee and they'll like come out of the bushes like little gremlins <laughs> like they're just waiting in the in the thickets and you, you know you pee you like pee see thickets. their little eyes pop out and they'll <laughs> dig in the dirt i mean you try to pee on a rock if you can so they can just lick it but if you do you know pee in the dirt man they will dig for it too mm-hmm. but if you want a good self close-up of the of them just pee on a rock. You pee on yourself. They're bold though, like not they, not to be vulgar, but just to paint the picture. Close. They will almost drink it out of you, like like a water fountain. <laughs> almost <laughs> a yeah. They're very used to people. 
golden okay. shower for goats. They're into it. I don't know. You I mean, got a phenomenal shot though. They like, like to fish <laughs> 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 You missed that part of the <laughs> Kendra, stay behind. I gotta, I gotta <laughs> he had his phone in <laughs> one hand. And <laughs> oh, no, but they, they will. So just be like if you, you know, when you're planning your campsite and you plan to use the bathroom, do it away from your camp because otherwise they'll be there all night licking the dirt. And they won't stop digging. Yeah, they dig, dig, dig. dig. Totally. But either way... If you camp where we camp, you'll get a giant porcupine yes. that hangs oh, out yeah. the whole time, wakes you up. Nice. Nocturnal porcupine. Snuggles. Snuggles. I was like, what did we name him? Snuggles. Snuggles. <laughs> Snuggles, we named him. He was our resident porcupine. He was huge. And I think that may have been my closest and most, like, costly wildlife encounter i've ever had it's like dollar amount he damaged more gear than any marmot or bear or anything i wore my favorite hawaiian shirt to hike up because we were in party mode trying to have a good time and my favorite shorts and my favorite arcteryx long sleeve base layer two of those in one night were gone and it just shredded them it looked well, like it went through a wood chipper he because i heard i was laying in the tent and you hear this like horrible like suckling noise. yeah and i'm like it's what? a weird yeah it's like a weird suckling That's and i'm it. like you guys are too good at this is going <laughs> on and i and i roll over to jason like do you hear that and and is sean blowing up it, i know i'm like worried that this is, or i'm like am i listening to sex somewhere else like okay, like should i not be listening but it sounds like something i should be listening to because it sounds like it's damaging gear and so and then you poked your head out and it was like right out the tent, full blown full, and, just and, staring at you and I, ah, I like tried to scare it off but it had pulled my stuff off of a clothesline no the first night i just had it outside my tent and that was the hawaiian shirt and the shorts and then i'm like i'm not letting my arcteric shirt bite the dust tonight so the second night i hung everything up on a paracord clothesline and even still, that bastard slacklined across across the clothesline and fell off and took my shirt with it, and then just and then just feasted on it all night. And it was it was it was pouring rain, so we couldn't hear his suckling the second couldn't night. Couldn't hear the suckling, and he just shredded my favorite shirt. And so I tallied it, and it was about a hundred and ninety dollars worth of gear that this little bastard ate. But we know it was a porcupine. Because he made his way through camp, and you could hear oh, him well, wreaking havoc. Well, we shoot him away from our camp one, night one. Yeah. And then what did you... And well, Sean was bivvying yeah. that same night, so we shoot him away, and then about ten minutes later, I hear I hear Sean like, Ah, y'all go out And he was in a bivvy, and he woke up, and it was right next to his face, and so he takes his trekking pole and starts waving it, and I'm like, dude, we're is- like out here. Like, you if you get, get quilled... Oh, yeah, that would mess you up. That would ruin the trip. And, like, you're quilled until we can get a train out the next day. And, I mean, but it was bold, and it worked. And then he scared it into Colin and Kendra's camp that night. <laughs> I, I woke up Kendra. with it right in my... It scared me Inside so bad. Inside your vestibule, right? Yes. Really? It, like, came in. Underneath the vestibule? Yes. And we could, I could hear something right next to my ear. And I was like, Colin, 
Colin. And then I turned, I didn't have my glasses or my contacts in, so I just like turned the light on and I just see eyes and like this big face. I screamed so loud. Well, no thought, one came. You thought it was a bear? Like the head of a bear because yeah. it's kind of the same shape and had like the brown kind of fur. And yeah, honestly, I so bad. 100% heard you scream, but I knew what it was regarding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks for coming. So, yeah, like, oh, I heard you scream. I'm like, thanks for the best. Yeah, yeah, see, like, the I was getting murdered. The way I recall this is we had Snuggles night one. We screamed bloody murder. No one came <laughs> and helped us. And you had no idea. <laughs> Nobody showed us. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That porcupine was so, that's so funny. Well, it's weird too. I mean, you'd think somebody would get quilled because I mean, yeah. we all screamed and like Sean was like face up against him. Fighting and, very like, bold. And, yeah. Him. And he like got aggressive with him. And then like this that's porcupine must doing. just know like what humans are all about and just doesn't care like well, that's why we call him snuggles because he just i literally think he just wanted to cuddle with everybody that's what i was trying to get in our tent as much cuddle as i hate the, the guy for destroying my gear i think he was just trying to cuddle with us. <laughs> well apparently you snuggle. smell and or taste snuggle, the best, as it were. so you got yeah. some kind of scent that he likes he loved you. my stuff does get eaten a lot i've had i've lost packs to squirrels I've lost jackets to marmots. Not a jacket, a stuff sack for a jacket, but not the jacket itself. That's right, just the stuff sack. All my stuff has little like serrated edges on it now from the marmots and squirrels. And it's because you're so sweet. I'm salty, actually. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's the opposite of that. <laughs> it was fun, though, for my finisher. Sean couldn't make it, but he sent me a package. And in the package was a bag of his favorite pipe tobacco, because that's kind of our thing. And uh, a stuffed porcupine puppet. Was a in memory of in memory of Snuggles, <laughs> which perfect. we still, still have on our bookshelf. Yep, hanging on our bookshelf. Yeah. yeah. So that's what else was lost? I got a, I got a uh, flip flop, eaten up. Ooh. But gear closed. Sean, you, Chris, get anything eaten? No. Only yeah, us. Just, just Did you race. hear it? <laughs> yeah, I woke up at one point and just heard that. The, Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like somebody with bad table manners. Like, yeah, just just smack smack it. <laughs> and I just, it's like a little kid sucking his Suckling. thumb. I picture, it's... like, and there's two little teeth marks. 100%. He just puts my shorts in his mouth and just sucks. <laughs> yeah. Sucks on it. Totally. I don't think he meant any harm. He wasn't, like, trying to get, you know, trying to ingest anything, but he put holes in it. Wow. There's a little stupid little. You're defending Snuggles quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That you were not this Never fond of Snuggles the day was, it happened. I was pissed. We wanted to mount Snuggles on our wall. <laughs> so I think, that, I think the takeaway, though, is like in a serious way, this is a good one to bring like some extra paracord on and do like a clothesline mm-hmm. and hang your clothes up and be cognizant of where you pee. Like this is as, as wild as it is. Like it's in the wilderness, but these animals, for better or worse, are very used to people. Yeah. More so than anywhere else. Um, so just be aware of that. Yeah. But also put all your gear in your tent and zip it when you're hiking for the day. Because if you just leave your pack out, salt on your, you know, shoulder pads are going to get eaten. Anything's going to get eaten. So everything's got to go in the tent make sure it's zipped. I have even had a deer take off with my trekking pole. Yep. And uh, I was up there. And no one was around to witness it. It was when I was doing solo Kit Carson Challenger. I was at Willow Lake. Weekday. There's no one around. But I'm pitching my tent and I put my trekking poles like into the ground standing up 
And I turn around and there's this deer boing, boing, bounding off with my trekking pole in its <laughs> mouth. <laughs> and, and I literally chased it with my other trekking pole. Javelin. Full sprint. like you javelin it? Stifler javelin. In, in my Crocs, camp Crocs, full sprint through this willow thicket. And I'm like, <laughs> through mud, like taking off after this deer. And it's because the salt uh, on the strap of my trekking pole, he, he wanted my salt too. And, and when he I got, got it back, nice it had little, it had little teeth marks in it, and it was like slobbery, like a big Saint Bernard had walked off with it. It was nasty. That is. Oh. So you, you never lost trekking poles. I have not had any trekking poles lost. I have had some where it got chewed up around. Mm-hmm. For Chicago Basin, our it was weird because we went in one day and we got in late because we took the Silverton train at the time. The next day we did Sunlight Wyndham. Um, descended Wyndham in a thunderstorm. Oh, no. Um, you know, great. We, and that's another thing. I'll just mention it here. Remember your decision making. You're back there. You've invested money in the train. It's kind of hard to get to. Still make good decisions. There's I some mean, summit fever there, there for was, sure. There was yeah. more summit fever than usual. I knew what was up. And just, oh, yeah, the storms are over there. They're over there. Boy, the storms kind of are <laughs> everywhere. But there's none right overhead. Let's keep going, though. It, it, it caught up to us, but, you know, no one got hurt. It's fine. Um, but what time did you start? It was dark. I don't know. We summoned the sunlight at 9. That's, exactly, that's pretty much where about, we were, too. Yeah. And there were puffy clouds starting Already at 9. fast after that. Wow. Yeah, it was, you know, because that's the thing. You're going to book your train tr- tickets exactly. ahead of time. And then you're going to be in there for better or worse. And if it's kind of a monsoon surge, then, <clears throat> that's you know. What- that's what happened that's, to us too. Where like the most rain we've ever had, we still got four summits. Was we did, and any other weekend we would have pulled the plug on the trip. But we were so invested with the train tickets, we're like, yeah. bring your rain gear. I yeah. bought a like an ultralight sil nylon tarp, which and I think you had one too, or someone else. Sean brought a tarp. Saved our asses. Um, we spent a lot of time under the tarp. Every, just huddled under a tarp, but it oh. it pretty much rained for three days straight, with the exception of like six to ten a.m. Nice. So we got yeah. four summits, but it was like gnarly, like Pacific Northwest raining, like uncharacteristic of Colorado. Yeah. It was like a major monsoon. Surge. And remember the hail? Oh, gnarly yeah. hail too. And yeah. like, like bad hail with it too, where it would hail yeah. for like a half hour. So I would say yeah. in, in, in terms of planning purposes, like weather is a huge consideration yes. because normally you would pull the plug on a weekend like that, but you're probably still going to Chicago Basin and there's a safe way to do it, but just bring your rain gear and make sure... You watch out for lightning. Yeah. Let's keep track of tips, though. So tip one is watch the wildlife, right? Yeah. Tip two is always bring a tarp. Right. And rain gear. And some rain gear for that. Those. If it's in the forecast, like within... I think it's, you still bring a tarp to the Chicago Basin. Yeah. If you're back there three days, you're going to get an afternoon. Even if it's your sun. Like, you, there's a lot of time at camp back there. And yeah. that's... that's like, really when we important. got down from Sunlight Windham, that's when we had our one, like animal issue that we had the goats were fine for us we didn't even see them until the third day oh wow and they went all around camp and stuff how far were you we were low so low yeah okay low so that might have been further up you are the more likely you're gonna get i think so but we got back from sunlight windham and it had started to get a little bit sunny after the storm and we were soaked and we put a bunch of clothes out on this natural on these rocks there were some big rocks adjacent to our camp so we just set the clothes out there to dry uh-huh. everyone kind of went in the tent to relax in their tents to relax for a while 
So my friend who was uh, sweatier, the sweatiest of the group, we came out and a Marvin <laughs> was up there and had eaten like a whole bunch of it. Like his shirt was pretty much just eaten. <laughs> but the Marvin hadn't, hadn't moved on to any of the other clothes yet. So we scared it off and it was just one shirt that was gone. But it just raises the point. There are a lot of animals there totally. that will... You know, just eat your stuff. Maybe so. you just got to bring one sacrificial sweaty with <laughs> you. <Yeah. laughs> oh. The really nasty. Dip it in salt. Just bring salt. Yeah, yeah. bring a rag. Bring a salt, salt rag. Bring a salt, salt, salt lick. Yeah. yeah, bring a salt lick and just toss it out in the field away from your tent. You'll That's sarcasm for any. Yeah, please don't do that. We had chipmunks. <laughs> we had robins. We had deer. We had porcupines. Tons of wildlife. Goats. Which is weird because it's way more remote than a lot of other areas that you go to in the backcountry. I don't understand why there it's like, oh, we're well acquainted with people. Like, let's go up right. to their stuff. That I didn't well, it, get. It's sad because you know what that means. Like, is that people have been engaging and it's really tempting with as friendly as the wildlife is to want to engage them and like try and feed a goat or like, but you know, like, like we've all heard, like a fed bear is a dead bear. Like these animals that learn to depend on humans and get friendly with humans is like kind of cute until you think about what it actually means. Um, so I would say if I could throw a tip in there, like, don't, don't perpetuate that. <laughs> the totally. Chicago basin, I was just going to go to the actual mountains themselves, yeah. the 14ers themselves was, they were some of my favorite 14ers that I've done to date. I really, really, really enjoyed all four of those 14ers. I loved each one was different. They had their own special, unique thing about each and every one. I mean, mm -hmm. just the whole experience around those four was, like, so cool. I don't know. How does that rank for you guys? Ooh. I'd say, yeah, definitely probably top ten for sure. And I think a lot of it is just the experience of going totally. in on the train. You just know how remote you're going to be. And I, I love that experience because um, there's nothing else. You, there's no other peaks that you get that with. But. I love the view from the top. I think, oh. other than Pyramid, yeah. I think the view from the top of Yolis is my favorite view of any 14er. Mm -hmm. And I think it's like the climbing or the scrambling itself is like kind of that same rush you get from the elk range, but with like a little bit more stable rock. Oh, yeah. So it's like, it's very fun <clears throat> scrambling. It's still so kind of the rush of exposure and you feel like you've done something. But the rock, I mean, don't quote me on this, but. In our experience, it was uh, it was stable. We yeah, we had just so much fun scrambling. Like North Eolus, you feel like Spider Man. Oh, that's solid rock. And it's like six minutes from the saddle to the top, just like a gecko. Yeah. So let's talk about how how we broke it down. Um, I think it's doable to do all four in a day, and if I were to go back, it'd be a fun feat. Ooh. I don't. It's it'd be a suffer fest, but I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility if you're fit and have good weather. Good weather. But we did yeah. because of weather. I think, was uh, was Sunline Wyndham the first day, back to camp, and then Yolis and North Yolis the second day. And in our weekend, we barely had enough time for that. We were getting rained on at the end of both. Did you guys enjoy breaking it down that way? Yeah. And then we didn't have to rush out of camp because we spent the last night there too after yeah. doing the four. And that's how you broke your first year yeah, trip that's, down, that's right? Yeah, that's what we did. We did uh, Sunlight Wyndham, and by late morning, thunderstorm hit. Um, lucky that we caught a good break that afternoon. Got stuff dried. One piece of clothing eaten. And then uh, um, the next day, north and Eolas. North and, first? Yep. Hmm. 
It's right there. That's what we did. That's what we did. Then we orphaned Eolas uh, because um, we got hailed on the catwalk in 2013. Uh, yeah. Oh. My wife didn't do Eolas because she felt weird that day and felt a weird vertigo. Oh, so we have no. to go back at some point. But yeah, we have know. to. Twist my arm. It's not going to be that terrible, so yeah. we'll go back. Yeah. Uh, but my friend and I went on did Eolas. We got down to Twin Lakes. It was still like fairly nice. And the thought of Jupiter went through my mind. I was because Jupiter is a centennial yeah. that you can see on the way, 13er, yeah. a centennial 13er yes. on the way down to camp. <clears throat> you didn't think about doing it when you're on Windham and just running through that amphitheater? Well, since we were in a huge thunderstorm, that was not really <laughs> 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 kind of like, no, it's, it's going to be a nope. But yeah, I mean, otherwise that, that would have made sense. So we uh, hung out for like half an hour and the storm clouds were starting. You saw them bubbling enough. It's like, yeah. I'm like, if I had tried Jupiter, I'd be caught up high in a thunderstorm, I'm sure, so... It was a good decision. Yeah, it, it worked out well because then it stormed some that afternoon. And the funny thing is the next day we got up, we saw some people packing in after we'd done Eolus and North Eolus like later that afternoon. And they were all excited because the weather forecast looked good. And the next day we get up and it was that low misty drizzle crap oh. the whole morning. And I was like, ooh, I would not want to be up there. Any, yeah, any peak on that. Especially the catwalk. We've talked about so. that though. Like you've said, Yolus always has that cloud over it. It's, it's by the God of the Winds. That yeah, it's like aptly named because <clears throat> it just looks like Mordor. <laughs> always has weather on it. Amazing weather though for you. I ha- we had the best. I just the window. Ve- window. The best window. And, it, and yeah. I will say, I think we talk about summit fever. I think we put ourselves at a little bit more risk than I was comfortable with, just because the rock is stable, but it's kind of like downward sloping ledges with with like d- d- what what is normally dirt but it was mud like slippery mm. mud when we did it and okay. some of us had less than ideal grip on our shoes and so we were kind of slipping around over the exposure and Taylor had approach shoes which I think you I absolutely loved them yeah you would do I it would again, do it again. I'd bring my approach shoes again just for stickiness I was in Solomon hiking boots and that was the wrong Wrong choice, but I, I wouldn't normally feel comfortable on that just because it was like super slick mud. On Yolus. On Yolus because it had rained and rained and rained yeah. and rained and rained. And rained. Like I was worried about that because the day before we had that thunderstorm and there was hail and everything coming down yeah. window. I'm like, how's that going to be tomorrow? And it was fine. Yeah. Like just wherever the storms went, it had not been nearly as much right, right there. That's good. So it was still mostly just dirt. If anything, it like compacted the dirt a little, but wasn't enough to make it like slick mud. It was pretty, oh, that's pretty nice. nice. Was I just being so. a weenie, or did you guys feel that too on the mud? I felt like people. it was really slick too. But my Anyolus. hiking boots on the bottom are like, I need new ones. Yes. They're toad. They're the tread on there is not yeah. good. So I, I felt the same as you. I was like eh. racing slicks. I was gonna yeah. say her shoes are bald. <laughs> Because she's a badass. Like, and she's she, I know she did them in like bowling <laughs> shoes. Seriously, and she did so good. I was like, That's awesome. oh, she did so good. I'm like, how are you doing this in bowling shoes? This is incredible. <laughs> that was incredible. Because she did so good. What was, was your favorite of the four? Did you have a favorite? Um, probably Eolus. Yeah, I think that was my favorite. Yeah, so good. There's a lot of scrambling overall. Yeah, I would rank that as because the catwalk. Yeah, the catwalk and just the. The upper part was like, it kind of reminded me of being like steep, kind of like pyramid. Yeah. Yes, just being solid and just like, I thought it was going to be like a maze up there, but I thought it was really kind of easy to piece together hmm. mostly. We hit the ridge like a slight, like 
I think a few steps different than some people, so there's one kind of like awkward. This is after move, the catwalk. Yeah. <laughs> that face. Like, you kind of weave up the face, but yeah. I thought it was going to be like really, really like complex to find a good way up there because pictures are like, and when you look at it from below, you're like steep. Yeah. Crap. Shoot. But then when you're there, it all kind of just comes together. Well, and it is vertical. So, like, most of the rock's are vertical, but it's, like, ledges. Yes. Which is kind of like pyramid, but the rock is way better. Yeah. In my opinion. <laughs> and the view from the top, though, with Jagged and Vestal and all the women it's like, oh, man. Amazing. When you can see. Yeah. The, so you guys keep talking about the catwalk. What's the catwalk? You know what the catwalk is. Well, we I, gotta... I know what the catwalk is, but <laughs> I You think... did a turn on the catwalk. I sure did. You almost fell off. We got a dance video, I think, of you, Stiff, right? Yeah. I haven't seen this. a sexy little, little turn on the catwalk. Oh, <laughs> wow. So my wasn't sexy, how dare you? The, so the catwalk is between... Right? Should we... I feel like we should tell listeners that it's this. It's a kind of a narrow section on your way to Eolus, and people call it the catwalk because it's a pretty flat but really narrow sidewalk that bridges north. Eolus, and, and no Eolus. climbing. It's You walk across the whole thing, but it is kind of like it's enough, sheer drops, enough exposure that you It's like you, some people want to crouch. Like if mm-hmm. you're not used to exposure, it'll make you want to hit the deck. You would die if you fell both sides. Either side, you would die. Yeah. But stable. And so people yeah. the rock right. is cost super solid. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like, like a sidewalk, but yeah. with the sheer exposure. Like if you were, you know. Doing a spin or something, you might. Yeah, you were doing a spin or something. Wow! Wow! (laughs) My spin spin was very controlled. That's what that's what shot us down in 2013 because it was Sean's finisher, and we had done the other three 14ers. Yolis's finisher, and we hit a hailstorm on the catwalk. And that's when we turned around. Oh, that's because we weren't on icy stuff like that. No. There was a group right behind us this time that turned around. They were in trail runners, and not that there's anything wrong with that, but I think I think the wet rock kind of freaked them out because it was like kind of half frozen. I wouldn't want to be on that rock. And... That's kind of why I'd recommend if you have a window to definitely take advantage of doing Eolus first ah, because North Eolus yes. is so easy to just run up yeah. and come down. Mm-hmm. It, it looks like it's sizable, but, I mean, rock solid. I mean, it couldn't take us more than, what, 45 Ten minutes. minutes like, so. It feels like... No, I, I exaggerated yeah. with six minutes, but I think it was like actually like ten or eleven minutes yeah. from the from where you have to, to go, go get on. Yeah, do you always? Because it's not so ranked. It's, it's not... like two hundred vert or one hundred and seventy. Yeah, it's vert so or whatever. Yeah, it's it's amazing photos though, because you've been kind of behind the catwalk, so you got like the yeah catwalk mm-hmm. and like the yeah check of Yolus there, the little yeah great yeah. photos. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that I I just think those all of them are so picturesque and cool. But North Yellow is totally different rock. It's just like a big slab. It's like yeah. it's like Moab. Like it's just a big red rock. Like a, what is it? Sandstone or granite or what do you? I don't think it's uh, granite. There's some think... geologists out there uh-huh. laughing at me, but it's like <laughs> it's, to, it's like a totally different rock. Yeah, it is. You're to, you're you're right. Yeah, I think it's like you're on the Creston needle sort of for North Yellow, and then you're back on Pyramid. Once you cross the catwalk. But it's more slabby. Less conglomerate, more slabby. Like, there's no holds, but you can get good grip. Yeah, it's very different. It is. It's super Mm -hmm. neat. But speaking of rocks, in between Sunlight and Wyndham, if any of you travel the exact same spot as where we did, there is amazing geodes in that entire saddle from Sunlight to Wyndham on the first day. And so if you keep your eye out, which I'm a super rock 
nerd. I love looking at them. I don't know what a lot of them are, but I know that they're shiny and cool. Uh, but there really was a geode that was probably the size of, what, like a rugby ball? At least, I mean, yeah. big geode. And we just picked it up and looked at it and then set it up on a big rock so that people could see it, you know, as you walk past it. But there's a ton of them, actually. And there's veins of crystals throughout that whole between Sunlight Windham section. So mm -hmm. keep your eyes peeled for that because that's just a super neat thing to see. For sure. For those rock nerds like me. That yeah, was, that was unique. Yeah. That was like super the cool. one section that had a pretty good snow field when I was oh, there. Oh, no. So... So time? when you go back with your wife? Early August. Oh, wow. Hmm. What? Really? Wow. I remember there's there's there a, a couple other little patches, but there was a big... Mm. It was all snow in there. There was a... For us, too, we just went above it, and then there's a kind of that ledge system where you kind of cut a... It, yeah. it looks green, impassable, but a there's green. a ledge that's about mm. three feet wide that you can cut across above the snow field. I, I personally really like sunlight, and the, the climbing was cool. It kind of reminded me of coming up El Diente. The scrambly bit. And I've heard of a lot of people getting lost on sunlight. When you come up to the saddle and you want to crest around the back and it looks like it goes to the summit, yeah. but it's like it's okay. deeper. It's like five four, like yeah. horrific exposure. And um, you and Johan were headed that way. Yeah, Johan and I discovered that this did not go. Because there's a trail. And there's like people <laughs> that go around the corner to take pictures of the Weminuch. Uh, yeah. And and then it like dead ends at this like class five wall that a lot of people I think probably want to take but if you if you do that it's a pretty easy quick little backtrack around that gendarme or whatever mm -hmm. it is to get back on the correct side sorry johan that was my bad i was like ah that goes didn't go the correct, not go. The correct side is inside the basin same side mm -hmm. as the basin yes yeah mm -hmm. yeah closer to the summit that's fun scrambling because you have, to, you so have to hack your way up like the loose kind of gully yeah and that's kind of like some nice scrambling. You go through that little, uh, that window thing. Yeah, window. Oh, that window is so cool. cool. There were a couple yeah, moves that, that really were cool. a little stretchy for someone under six feet. Like, I remember a couple of those holds were a little far apart. I, and the window is cool. Yeah, I think, uh, Chris, what you did, short rope, about printing, you printed the pictures so that even if your phone had died, you had printed pictures of the route, remember? Mm -hmm. And that was really, really helpful because, you know, when you're back there that long and your phone may or may not die, again, another tip here is print print those pictures, even if they're smaller, of the route description, where it has the red line showing you where to go because it's really easy to look at the rocks and think that you're going to know where to go when you get up there, but... Even people who have, you know, scoured the route description, I feel like, could, could kind of get off. And so that was super helpful. I did feel like route finding was a little more complex than we were anticipating on that. Like, it, it is kind of easy to get off route on sunlight. Yeah, that's why I think those pictures yeah. are so so clutch to pull them up and say, oh, are we a little low? Are we a little high? Yeah. Like, where are we? So I think that would be another good tip. But the sunlight block. Ooh, the summit that's block. That's what they can do. Bring your cojones so for that. I didn't bring mine. <laughs> so that's... that's Snuggles took it. Oh, that was just... He took it right out of me. <laughs> do you summit block. if you don't do the summit block? You guys yes. markers down below. It is down below. I'm, I'm of the opinion you do. I think it's a personal thing. If you're happy with where you are at the summit marker, then it's good. Totally. I agree. 
I don't think it's as bad as people think, though. It wasn't too bad. The if you're leap tall, of faith, that's the leap the of faith. I'm 6'3", and the leap of faith I can Getting take across the leap of faith is easy. <clears throat> if you're long, if you're tall. Yeah. So, okay. Way up. But Taylor, um, who's 5'5", five, five, yeah. I mean, you had, it was a big reach for you. Okay, yeah. So leap of faith coming back, I think, was kind of more scary for tall for taller men who have higher that higher center of gravity almost interesting you know because it's like you really do see the the drop on your you know you really see that drop and so i think the leap of faith not to get over on top of the summit block but to jump off of the summit block back down is what was a little more scary correct me if i'm wrong for you guys for me, well, I had full blown sewing machine leg, like on the edge of that thing. Like, oh. For me, trying to get up on the. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like that. Totally. For me, trying to get up onto the summit block, I'm so short that I was on my tippy toes with my thigh. I was like beach whaling myself again, like trying to get up on the summit block, you know, because I'm short. And so there's really nothing to grab onto. So you kind of just have to, you know, it was really it's, scary. And I would awkward. say. For 80% of people, it's not a graceful movement. But no. there's that one ultra runner kid that just like back could have done it blindfolded and was like doing handstand push-ups on the top. Not really, but he might as well have done it. Sure. <laughs> you know, like... I did so, take a good picture of him. And yeah, well, the guy's a stud. But I would say for like the average, you know, kind of 14er goer, it's doable, but it's not going to be a comfortable movement. I have my video. I could... <laughs> oh, nice. It's weird because of that... You think it's... From looking at it, like you can just like kind of reach down and kind of like not have to jump, but it's a weird kind of camber. Yeah. It's also like below you, yeah. like so it's like you have to commit and jump. Here's a, I've come heard back, you have to jump. I have heard, I read that if you were tall enough, that somebody had just basically slid themselves down onto that rock and pulled themselves out the other side. But I don't know where I but read it. If you were talking into about a leap that, of faith, yeah. you wouldn't fall. You would only fall like six feet. Right. It's falling off the left. Oh, yeah. yeah. So dead. Yeah. I thought, but I'm I the opposite. wouldn't do it. I'm the opposite of Taylor. I thought going up, you have to generate a little momentum. And if you overshoot it, you are dead. Well, cool. Yeah, because you're going. So coming back wasn't too bad. I have long legs. You were kind of there. Like, I'd fall into you and we'd probably tumble a little ways together. But going up, I was like, if I overshoot this, I'm like toast. And for me, I, there's no way I'm overshooting it. Like, I'm too small. Like, I was just like throwing myself up against the side of a rock trying to get up yeah. it. If you would, yeah, you'd fall off the back of that something. Right, right. you would fall you'd, sheer a long way. Yeah, yeah. eight hundred feet. I yeah, mean, it, many it feels hundred like, feet. Feels like thousands of feet because you can like, see the bottom. I, I stood up. I think I did one of the like. I like one hair. I, I kind, kind of, of like, my feet were like in a really kind of funny. I was kind of standing like this. Yeah, you had to crack. like a catcher. Yeah. Weird. Here's the thing. Okay, I'm not gonna get too straight here, but <laughs> I, the, I, if I'm not mistaken, this is the only standard route. That Bill Middlebrook on 14ers.com ranks as extreme exposure on the standard route. And I think it's because of that move. Yes. Well, yeah, it has to be. It, because, yeah. there, like, I'm sure there's people wondering, reading that, like, oh, it must be the whole thing. Yeah. It's that single move. There's really no exposure anywhere else on the entire route on sunlight. Yeah, it's not really now. And then you're scrambling, so there's short sections of, you know, you don't want to fall because yeah. you would bang a couple rock rocks and hurt yourself. Belly. But it's not like... Oh my god, I fall here, I die. I mean, otherwise I feel like there was more sustained exposure on Wyndham. But but it was that one single move that I would say is extreme exposure. Yeah. If you don't do it, it's very mild. But I, I think, you know, back to a point you made, you said the word that has always stuck in my head with getting up there is momentum. Because yeah. um, when we got up there, there was a couple there, and there was a young woman, and she 
had gotten herself, so she was touching the oh, block, yeah. basically. And she was just kind of standing and like... Ugh. For like three or four minutes. And then she just came down and said no. And I'd been watching the whole time. As soon as she stepped down, I just went up there pretty fast. I was just like, I'm just going to do it. Because right now I feel... Like watching her actually made me confident, not the opposite. Sure. Because oh, really? seeing what she did, like, I realized so all she had to do <laughs> was like go fast. And like she lost her momentum by getting real uh, close to it. And I was like, I can just go up it pretty well, fast. But not too go fast. Going up. But not too fast. Too fast. Too momentum, but no, no, definitely not too much. Because as soon as I like got so I was like up on the rock, I instantly tr- on the got cr- I totally like sitting down. I'm just like, and then I'm like, okay. And then I gradually stood up. But leaving the summit block for me, I that was I did the double the double clutch there. Because it's a weird cambridge. I geared myself up for it. Low, low. Yeah. Weird. I geared myself up and I'm like, I'm going. I'm going. And I'm like, ooh. My legs got just a little then I waited a minute and did it. It was fine, but let's see what that jump if that jump were on a playground be nothing. All day. AD. But we are talking about, you know. So would you say the the jump over to the summit block is worse than the, the oh. leap on the way back? It seemed like more people were getting kind of hung up on the, the leap. I the play for that. That's Chris doing the leap. God, so. Yeah, I that's, didn't like the more of the hairy thing, right? I didn't like back. the leap on the way back. Yeah, I didn't like it on the way back. But Were see you talking how he about kind of there's wobbles? a way you can come around this way? <laughs> I didn't see anybody oh, yeah. doing it. That. Yeah, there's a way that you can you know do that. But you almost face. overshot it. I don't know if you've seen this video. I'm going to show it to you right now. You and almost you're gonna, overshot it. And it's a good thing you already went pee. It'll make your stomach do flip-flops. Flip-flops. Yeah, it's like totally no big deal. So it's not this section. It's from you to Jace. Now watch. Oh, I didn't stutter step. Dang, I need to see those. Okay. Yeah, look, I've got like, some of the photos of me. I'm missing it. I need some of the photos. Okay. I'm That's what you need to talk about. I still need to more. Talk about Wyndham. Wyndham's kind of like, I don't know. For a 2+, it seemed kind of class 3-ish. <laughs> For more, sure. You got to work to that, that class 2. Is that a good way to phrase it? I don't know. Root-finding. Yeah, I mean, it was... There's a lot of class 2? Two plus, that's how it's really? rated. But it, it seemed like maybe if you were really careful, but most people are just going to go up a lot of, kind of scramble up a lot of blocks. Which I felt like, I mean, um, like Pavel, the guy who did the, the, the uh, longest, yeah, unsupported FKT, longest, no, just the supported F, unsupported FKT, Pavel, he came off one side, he like went off that. What is it? The I don't know what basin. He dropped into the wrong basin, right? Different. He said it was the gnarliest climbing he did on any of the peaks. It was hmm. when he got off or out on window. So I feel God. like you have to... It was off that backside, like the opposite side of sunlight. He was down in that, and, it, and he, he was like majorly cliffed out. It was about a headlamp. Hmm. So I think, I mean, you know, stay kind of on ridge proper or, or on the sunlight side of it. The basin side, yeah. Um, we had a blast with it. I loved it. More exposure than I was anticipating, but it's all like big Lego blocks. It's kind of yeah, cool. if it hadn't been like threatening to storm, it would have been a lot more fun. But yeah. given the weather we had, it was like, okay, we just got to get up this thing. Like there was no time. Like the summit was like, boom, 
Let's go. What time? So you were at nine o'clock on sunlight. What time were you at Wyndham? We were on Wyndham at ten thirty-eight. It's only about an hour and a half between sunlight and Wyndham. Yeah, yeah. you don't have to lose we, that much elevation. But you yeah. can scramble another thousand feet. And well, right. we took our time. We took a long break yeah. at the saddle of Wyndham. Yeah, I don't think we really like. We stayed on sunlight longer than we should have. First of all, but. And then we didn't move that fast. You know, my friends were from Kansas and not very acclimated, so we weren't moving that great that day. You know, we were doing fine, but, you know, given the weather, it was kind of a little, it's going to get dicey. But. This is the geode I just have to show you, Andrew. <laughs> I need to see the geode. Oh, do we have that, uh. Picture of Sean. Oh damn! Going in between yeah. those two yeah, rocks up on, yeah. on top. That, Where's that I think one? I was, circle. Nice. I was taking a picture. I think of him or something. Yeah. And then like it's a great oh. summit photo. Yeah, I'm looking stuck for it. in the middle of the. That I'm looking crack? for it instantly. Exiled Michigander. No offense, but this is body sliding down one of the rocks. <laughs> and it was candid too. I didn't. Nobody planned on getting that picture <laughs> of him. 2019. He was trying to take a picture of someone else. I think it's on your phone, babe. Yeah, I think it is too. But. Yeah, I, I thought Sunlight and Wyndham, though, the view, too. I mean, I know Eolas has a phenomenal view, but also Sunlight Wyndham. The, just every single one is so unique. And Wyndham, I thought, was so cool because it really has those Legos. Mm-hmm. You know, the blocks look just perfect Legos. They're perfectly square, and it's just it's such a neat mountain. I think all of them are unique and cool in their own way. Or Tetris blocks, depending on your game of choice. Oh, yeah. You know, it could be either. It could be either. Or um, the, what are the kids playing these days? Oh, With they're the... playing Minecraft. TikTok. Minecraft. Could be, could be one of them, too. Yeah, uh, the Minecraft. Yes. Could be Minecraft. <laughs> I, kind of, uh, one thing that just popped into my head, it's totally changing the subject, but I think it's it's worth sharing on the podcast was kind of what, what you think of as your lowest point of your 14er journey so far was on night... Two, after being soaked in rain, everything mm. was soaked to the bone. I'd love for you to share that story because I think it's kind of cool. Yeah, that uh, for like I said, this was my some of my favorite fourteen or climbing that I've done. But it was also my low moment in climbing fourteeners, and it's cool that they share the same story. But. I don't know if I've ever really done anything as hard as putting on my damp leggings at three in the morning <laughs> on day t- day two of climbing. So day three of, you know, day one was train in camp. Day two, day two was climb sunlight window. Day three was for going for Eolus and North Eolus. And that day three Putting on wet pants in the tent at three in the morning after two really full days was so mentally hard for me. I remember sliding on my pants and just doing like a clenched fist. Like one, not only that, but we had gotten rained on, rained on, rained on, rained on, like Ugh. for like sixteen hours, and everything was soaked to the bone. And this is like rarely happens in Colorado, but we went to bed and it was raining, and then I woke up at three and it was just still pissing down. Rain and I'm I'm sitting there like oh like this is our last you know, day. I'm, I'm also trying I'm, to fin- I'm, finish too because you only have three fourteeners left. So we uh, explain why. Yeah, so like pressure, <clears throat> pressure was on. Train tickets I waited two and a half years for, and um, I you know I'm a man of faith and I said a prayer. I'm like oh Lord if this you know if if we can do this today like if it's 
fits in the cards, you know, would love Please. to climb this. And, and 10 minutes later, the rain stopped pitter pattering on the tent and I poked my head out and it was just stars. And I'm like, looks like we're good to go. And that's when you were like, oh, you were so hoping we'd get to well, sleep cause, in. Because <laughs> there is that like weird moment, right? Where you're like, is it a go? Is it a no go? It's, it's almost a, like looking like a no go. Right? You fell like, back to sleep. I like, I was like, kind of like, mm, yeah, cause cozy, like the rain, it's still happening. It's still pitter patter rain. And then Jace is like, it's a go. You know, he pops his head back in the tent. And I'm it, like, well, go tell everybody else and I'll be I ready. I can almost <laughs> hear you deflate. Like, <laughs> I was like, well, I'll put my pants on. And wet I, pants. My wet pants on. And, I, that was so hard for me, but honestly, at the end of North Eolus, when we had done all four of them in two days and had, you know, just had a fun time doing it and great climbing and just, safe. it was one of those, and safe and the weather held out. I mean, the weather started getting bad when we were like, what, half hour from our tents yeah. every day? Like, we had just gotten not just gotten lucky, but we had planned really well for it. And it just felt so good to be that successful and that. We nailed it. it what was I think really is awesome. is remarkable though is that within about a four hour or a six hour window, you had your lowest low and your highest high because I don't think you've ever climbed stronger. I mean, you smoked all of us up that you were a little billy goat on the oldest. <laughs> you oldest. Were. Yeah. Yeah, it was like, <laughs> I mean, you and I were both like, she's climbing better than we ever have. And I said, you, but <laughs> oh, <laughs> don't come in that bucket. Nah, dude. I think there was a wee, but I digress. Um, I still think she's a better climber than you. <laughs> but especially on that day, you just crush it. And you, you, I think to this day, that's your favorite summit. And so I think yeah, that's part of why we sure. do what we do. It's having those magical moments of like super low lows. And then that victory is that much sweeter. And it can be four yeah. hours later. And I did. I, yeah. And thank you. That means a lot because I totally had that like mantra of you can do hard things in my mind. And in that how every time you do hard things, then it validates I can do hard things, you know? At first it becomes, I can do hard things as, and I can do hard things, but then, and then it becomes like, I can do hard things. And that's a really cool transition, I feel like. And that trip really taught me that. I have noticed a shift in your mentality, not that you were anything but strong before, but you're even stronger now. And like, I think it's not like a lesson on the mountain, but it was like the moments in between that Mm -hmm. built that for you. And like, even on the Grand Teton when we climbed that not that long after, like, you were up at 2.30 in the morning, pants on, you're like, at least they're dry this time. And it was, yeah, totally. It was like, yeah. you know, 20 degrees and whipping wind, and we were about to go do this, like, 5.4 with heinous exposure in the middle of the night, and you're like, this is sweet. At least my pants are dry. Yeah, that's you a know? new was like, totally. That's your new benchmark, which yeah, is cool. that is. I, I loved that section. 